Welcome to the EdTech Marketing Podcast, hosted by Mateo Elvira, a former tech sales rep turned digital marketer. If you're an EdTech organization struggling with how to leverage the power of digital marketing, then sign up for this weekly podcast that aims to help. Week by week, our featured guests will share their top tips that you can put into action today. Let's get started. Growing up in the Philippines, um, obviously this was you know the 90s, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity at the time. I'm sure it's a lot different now, but you know my mom, who was a single mother, wanted really a different path for her for her children and herself. So essentially, we moved to the U.S. when I was 14 years old, um, which is you know crazy. It thinks like more than half of my life now. It's crazy. Um, and, and yeah, and we immigrated here. Um, you know, we were documented, but our I don't exactly know how it worked, but eventually our visa expired, so we were undocumented and we stayed. And that was like a, a decision that we that we made to 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 really start a life out here. Um, and in terms of like the Pokemon cards and entrepreneurship and stuff like that, like I was around um, really strong figures in my life. Like my mom would work a full time job, and then in the weekends she would sell. Um, there's these things in the Philippines which are like bazaars basically and you have inventory and you sell it to like people at the malls so she did that like part-time like during the weekend so she never really took a day off and then my grandma like she owned her own business as well so I was just around people who were like kind of making their own mark kind of carving their own path and I think I just saw that as like okay cool it's almost like in my blood to be doing entrepreneurship work um, and yeah, it wasn't until really I moved here to the U.S. that I started to understand, you know, the intricacies of like race and like social status and like all those other things. Because I was pretty naive about it in the Philippines. Um, but yeah, like getting into getting into like the low income part of things, I definitely understood that I was like a low income person, like family here in the U.S. And I didn't feel like that way in the Philippines at all because it was just the standard. A lot of people were just broke in the Philippines and it was like the normal thing. But coming here to the U.S., you can really see how structured things are in terms of like, oh, you can't go to prom because you can't afford a tuxedo. You can't go to like this latest thing that all the other kids are going to because you just can't afford it. Like this was when I really started to understand like, that I was a low-income person, low-income family, um, and it's cool to be coming full circle now because I'm at Upchieve and I'm I'm helping like we're helping low-income students um, with their needs. That's awesome, man. So walk us through like what was it like, you know, going to school and then like you know landing a job and starting to like work in ed tech specifically. Where I know you made a post um, about this video that you posted and, and why you love ed tech so much and why you're you know, helping again, exactly low income students specifically, like the exact same student that you were like, walk us through how you're able to like make that transition and, and come like full circle there from your career. Yeah. Um, I think it starts off with, um, when I was working at Cal State East Bay, I was their marketing intern. So that's kind of how I started off with like my ed tech career. Um, but I think maybe for the audience, like for context, so like working at Upchieve, like we're a nonprofit, right? Like we help low-income students, high school students get free online tutoring and college counseling. And me specifically, I'm responsible for our marketing team, like our leading our marketing team. Um, and as a marketer, you really want to try to understand your audience and who you're speaking to. Um, so it's 
somewhat easier to relate to your audience when you have walked that path before as a low-income student. So for us, for my team, like we really want to make sure that we're hiring the right people who do, do connect with our students because maybe they would come from a low-income background or they're in a community that they fully understand. They somewhat understand the, the low-income community around them, um, but also just the domain expertise of having marketers that know what they're doing. So for us, it's really about understanding who our audience is, our students, what behaviors do they have online? Like, where do they hang out? What content do they consume? Like, where, what, what are they searching for when they need help so that we can be there um, when, when they need us? Um, and, you know, going back to my original work of EdTech at Cal State East Bay, I think the cool thing about there was that I wasn't doing marketing for all of the university. I was just in a small department for the Office of Sustainability. And since it was small, we were more like a startup. Um, and I think going back to like something that I've learned that I've carried over to doing kind of SaaS ed tech now is again, communicating to your audience um, in the right format. Because when I was at Cal State East Bay, our primary audience were college students. Like we wanted to engage the student body. We wanted them to event, attend events. Like we wanted them to care about the environment. Because I was a college student, it was a lot easier to talk to that audience online because they were college students. Um, and, you know, I think in business, like there's always this idea of like being on brand and being on voice. And that that is important as a guideline. Um, but it's also important to understand like, who are you talking to and what channel and format are you communicating to them in? Cause I think the brands that are winning are, are the ones that exercise the different communication styles so that the content you make makes sense for that format and the audience you're talking to. Absolutely, man. What, what do you feel like you've learned specifically about this niche student audience that you are targeting for Upchieve. Like, obviously, it's it's a weir really weird time to be a student right now. It's not what it was when you and I were students. It's totally different now. What have you learned just by talking to students, um, your marketing efforts? Like, for anyone out here or any founders that like maybe tapping into a similar Gen Z audience, like, what what have you learned, or what's been something interesting that you've found out about that demographic um, with your role that you're at currently? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I've learned is actually unlearning all of my marketing habits from the past because now I'm talking to Gen Z and I'm not a Gen Z. So it, like me as a millennial, I've always marketed to millennials and older. And it's really my first time, even when I was at Cal State East Bay, I was talking to other millennials, right? Now that I'm out of like that stage where I'm talking to millennials and I'm only talking to Gen Z, it's about unlearning a lot of the habits because when you're creating content online for Gen Z, they are capable, like they are smart to understand if your content is authentic or not authentic. I think the brands that are winning are the ones who, going back to this brand voice thing, the brands that are winning are the ones who are just like, here's our brand guidelines, let's follow it step by step. No, the ones that are winning are those that hire people who understand that you have to talk to your audience in a way that they want to consume content in that format. Like if you look at Ryan Air on TikTok, for example, like Ryan Air is an old company, like they were founded in like the eighties. They're doing way better marketing than companies that are younger now, that are just recent. 
and, and they're trying to succeed on social, but they're not succeeding because they are very rigid in their format of communication. Like they, they believe that this is how we should talk to our audience. But Ryanair, for example, there's many others that, that are, that are succeeding on TikTok um, and other social forms of content. Like they understand, like, this is our audience. This is what they're, the type of content they're consuming on this format we should try to be like that organic type of content rather than us telling the audience what we think they should be hearing. So I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned was actually unlearning all of those habits, those best practices, because it's different now. Like we're talking to Gen Z and like there's even the next generation of like Gen yeah. Alpha. So it's going to be crazy. It's yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a different time for sure for marketers. And I think the, the brands that are going to win are the marketers who understand that, okay, like how we've done this before is not going to work because we're talking to people who we don't fully understand. So we have to kind of reverse engineer like, well, what is the content that's succeeding in this platform with the audience we're trying to reach? And then you work from there. So you mentioned like your, your role at the director of growth marketing is you like you're managing an entire marketing function. You're not just like the one creating the content. You're like leading a team. And like you said, um, it's it's not about just staying in these lines of staying on brand. You have to like experiment and try a lot of things. And uh, for you, it seems like you guys are really leaning on video. Walk us through how do you plan video? How do you record video? How do you come up with content? And how do you do it in a consistent way where you guys are consistently posting videos like you have I'm, I'm literally scrolling on your reels feed and there's just like an endless flow of content and that's really hard for companies like it's hard to do that at scale and to create relevant content any insights that you could share in terms of like you know creating like a content engine yeah yeah i think you actually have to start from a step back because there's a reason why you create content there has to be a reason to do it you don't you don't start creating content just for the sake of it. Like there has to be a strategic purpose for it. So the way our marketing team is designed is we understand that students are hanging out probably on TikTok. They're consuming some type of content that is valuable to them. Like there's a lot of different cohorts, right? Like a lot of different demographics and personas for our students. For us, we exist on TikTok because we want to be there as a brand presence, but also the content we create, and it's not just video, like we have blog content, we invest heavily on SEO. We want to make sure that when a student is typing on Google, like free online tutor or uh, need help with math, some sort of keyword, we need to make sure that we're placing ourselves higher on SEO because um, that is one avenue. And that's actually you know a chunk of our students find us through SEO and content. Um, so it kind of starts from the top of like that piece, that big piece of like a pillar page or like a big piece, a big chunk of content. And then we repurpose that into like smaller pieces of content. Mm. Um, but again, like for us as the marketing team, you know, our North Star metric is, is students actually signing up to use our app because we want to help them um, with whatever it is they need, college counseling, tutoring, uh, so our main metric is going to be, you know, how many students have we reached and how many of them have signed up. And from there, you build onto a strategy. And then we, you know, we understand content is going to be a heavy place for that. SEO is going to be a heavy place for that. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, that's kind of how we get started with the foundation of it. 
and then to answer your question, like how do you stay consistent? You hire someone who's really great at content and really understands how fast you have to move on social and obviously just creating great content. Like you hire someone that can do that type of work and you make sure you support them. So for me, I have the luxury of having a content marketing manager, Marissa, who's doing an amazing job. Um, and it's really about setting some sort of direction and like loose vision of like what we think we need to be doing to get to like our North Star metric um, and letting the person who you hired to solve the problem run with it. Absolutely, yeah, and have like a little, you know, that creative freedom and that trust for them, you know, both ways, right? For them to be able to feel comfortable creating the content and you don't have to like worry about it and babysit it all day long. Um, that's awesome, man. Um, walk us through just, you know, overall like video. I see that you guys have a lot of videos on your website too. Like how big of a role does video play in your overall like content strategy and why should other companies really consider delve, you know, diving into video as opposed to producing more blogs, making more like graphics. Like what about video have you seen in terms of this like ROI traction growth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we're like for Upchieve, like we're not at the stage with like thousands, tens of thousands of, of, followers or you know people who who like our content where our content like goes far so it's hard to measure the ROI strictly on just numbers qualitatively though you see it like you hear about it like you feel the impact um, the amount of times someone in like our partnerships team or like our revenue team says like hey I showed this to our partner they love the video or I use the video when I pitch and like we're way better now with it versus without it like it's something that doesn't show up like when you look at the analytics so i think it's important to to measure both the numbers and also the emotion of it because i think with marketing it's you know it's a bit of a double-edged sword because we just have so much data that's available to us that just because we can measure it doesn't mean we should measure all of it and obsess about it right um but video has been one of those things that has been huge for us because we just released a highlight video of Aaron, who is a student who used Upchieve, and he got into an absurd amount of colleges. It was like 19 colleges. Let's go. Three of them were, I three of them were Ivy League oh, wow. um, universities. Yeah, he's, he's going to be going to Yale. So it's an amazing story by itself, right? And our team is already asking, like, when's the next video going to be made? So the demand is there for sure, like internally uh, and even externally. Um, and I think what video does is that it's a it's a really one of the most effective ways to tell a story in like a narrative format but it's also a really effective way to set the standard of like if you're going to commit yourself to making a video like for for this one example i'll use the podcast example if you're going to commit to making a podcast or like a video podcast something like this like you can grab chunks of pieces of content from this and you know have it drip out to like micro pieces of content so i think strategically that is the main benefit of having a video but also i mean think about it like if, if you're looking at your competitors look at the ones who are not doing video and look at the ones who are doing video effectively the people who are doing video effectively they're building a brand they're building an audience and they're building loyalty um because it's not you know when you when you publish content like on social for example it's gonna take a few touches for your audience to actually buy from you, to trust you. And what better way to make that easier to tell your story, like through video, like there, it, you know, it's difficult to compete against a competitor who's just killing it on video. So why not that, 
be you why not let you be the brand that's killing it on video absolutely and so i guess for context here like how have you been able to produce video on your end do you have like um some internal support or like uh, for other agencies or other companies that are listening that may not have like internal videographer like what have you used in the past to to like get your videos completed edited posted like what's your workflow there yeah um so internally when we make quick videos like tiktoks like that's easy enough for us to do for narrative videos if we're going to do an event or if there's anything that's like a really big piece of content that we want it to be produced um we'll outsource to um a producer um you know we'll we i haven't worked with agencies but i have worked with uh, freelancers and producers and that's really how i would recommend doing it in my previous organization at the story of stuff project we created an internal video team but that's because we really invested in sure. a production team so we hired me we hired um an actual producer and then we would hire like a a, a camera person sound person like for the day oh wow um but but that's because we really invested in storytelling we were a storytelling or organization at my previous role so at this role right now um for the most part if we want to make like a really well-produced video we will go out and and hire a freelancer got it got it yeah that's good to know i know like you know a lot of startups are probably listening to this so you know not all of them have internal video teams so usually large organizations or more well-funded organizations have that at their disposal but there's tons of options out there even externally to get that done for you but um, Jericho, uh, before we wrap up here, um, you and I both know content marketing is a long-term strategy. You've been at the company for, you know, was it a year and a half, just past a year and a half, and you're probably now just starting to see the fruits of your labor that from the work that you started from day one. How can marketers stay patient, stay consistent? What advice do you have for them uh, to just like embrace that, the process and, and just be patient? Yeah, um, I have three pieces of advice Please, for people who want to get into video. Yeah, I think the first one is speed. Like, cause, because as a creative, like the worst thing in the world is letting an idea or a draft like marinate for too long because you think it needs to be like 100% amazing. Like ideas really have a shelf life, like creativity has a shelf life. So you really have to act when inspiration hits or it just goes into like a backlog. Because I really think that the best, marketers who are thinking about video like they act on offense and not defense like they're not afraid they, they will just produce as much as they can so i think the strategy is built on like being to hit publish as consistently as possible like the game is literally like how often can you click the publish button assuming it's great content like how often can you hit that publish button because really the world right now is catered to creators like if you're not creating you're not documenting like it you you will be forgotten like on social like the ones who are always on social the ones you always see are the ones who's just consistently producing content. So the first tip I have is really to move fast so that you can you can learn fast. The, the second piece of advice I have is simplicity. And this is both in process and equipment. And it feeds off of the last point too, because I think the simpler you really make things in terms of your process, the fewer moving parts you have, like the fewer things will break. You really want to optimize for speed, and that means you want the fewest amount of steps in between the idea and the publication. Um, it's it's one of those things where your audience doesn't really, or it's it's not you. It's not you that decide if you have good content or great content. Like it's your audience that'll decide what's good content, and the way you 
understand if you have good content or not is to hit publish, which means you really have to simplify your processes. And this goes along with equipment too. Like, I think a lot of people get stuck researching like the best of the best, especially if you're like just starting to get into video production and maybe you don't want to hire a freelancer or maybe you want to do it yourself. Like, don't go out and spend a chunk of your budget just like on equipment. Just use what you have because most times you're probably going to shoot it on social. It's yeah, going to get compressed phone. to 1080. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if you do want to do YouTube, like you can probably shoot 4K, but if you're just starting off, you're probably not, you shouldn't probably do cinematic videos yet. Like start with what you have. You don't need to buy the most, like yeah. the greatest lighting, like just shoot, literally shoot near a window. Like if you were to spend money though, I'd, I'd suggest like audio would probably be the best thing. Like, which is simple too, like get a lavalier on Amazon or something that attaches to your phone or like find a quiet place. Like I've seen viral videos on TikTok on IG reels. It's literally a person with like a wired headphone. Exactly. And they're speaking yeah. into the mic like this. It's like the simplest way you already have it. Um, and then for post-production too, it's like TikTok, you can edit videos natively. Like there's apps like CapCut. If you want to edit on a computer, yep. there's like DaVinci Resolve, yep. like it's all free. You can all learn it on YouTube and Google. Um, also, if you don't, if you know, if you don't want to do all that, you can just hire, you can just hire a freelancer to do it for you. Exactly. Um, so, and, and then my third advice would be really like, I, I would usually say like scalability, but again, like if you're starting off, you're just trying to figure out what works for you. So you probably shouldn't be trying to create a bunch of templates that you might not even use. Cause you're just trying to understand what works for you. So the third advice is actually having an abundance mindset because similar in business, like just because a business that you want to do is already in market, like someone's already doing it, that doesn't mean you can't do it either and that you can't do it better. Like just because a page is creating a bunch of content that you want to create and they're already huge, like that doesn't mean you can't grow your audience either. Like I can't tell you how many times I was on social and I'll see a page or like a YouTube channel or Instagram blown up and I scroll all the way down, like when was their last first post? And like, they just started like a year ago and like for TikTok, it's even crazier. Some pages blow up and they've only been around for like weeks. Mm -hmm. So like the world is abundant. It's not like a winner take all type of world. Like they, other people can win and you can win too. Like, so, so yeah, that's my that's advice. Awesome. Like move fast so you can learn fast, keep things simple. And like, no, know, know that the world is abundant. Like we can, we can all win. Absolutely, man. Hey, I think that's some fire advice. And I think. I think your experience and your expertise in video production has allowed you to be a better marketer because like right now, social media, all is video. And if you don't understand what it takes to make a video, edit a video, color a video, sound design, I mean, I feel like understanding video just even a little bit will help you in your social media marketing. And I think it's clear with you, with Upchief. So I'm super excited, man. Thanks so much for sharing your expertise. If anyone listening here wants to pick your brain further, learn more about Upchieve or see, you know, just learn more about you and what you're working on, man. Where's the best place to find you? Yeah, um, add me on LinkedIn, um, Jericho Apple. It's a, uh, just look it up. I'm like one of the few Jericho Apples <laughs> there are in the world. There you go. And I'll also link his LinkedIn down below. So if you've listened to the podcast, just check the bio here and we'll have his LinkedIn. But Man, thank you so much. Um, I think you're doing an awesome job with everything at Upchieve. And, dude, you're killing it. And the advice that you gave here on this podcast was so valuable, man. So thank you so much. And thank you guys all for tuning into this episode. We will catch you all on the next one. 
Thanks for listening to the EdTech Marketing Podcast with your host, Mateo Elvira. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to help grow your EdTech audience. If you're keen to see these ideas can be applied in the real world, join us on the next week's episode. As always, you can head over to elvira.media to learn more about our digital marketing services for EdTech brands. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.